juice has been Your dog, Lucy? Yeah. What's your why? Why is she so clingy? So, I don't know why, but she just will constantly be on top of me. This one day, um, I woke up face to face with her. Like, she was on the pillow next to mine. She's looking at me like, hey. <laughs> Uh, and her paw was like on my forehead too so like she's just laying there and with her paw on my forehead just to like make sure I'm still there are you alive? yeah are you with us? I don't know it was weird well, she's such an odd dog I mean Dr. Metropolis my kitty cat is uh, all over me all the time uh, he, he likes to when I try to play games he lays on my chest um yells and screams to get in my room uh that does make dave mad you know because yeah. uh, sometimes i don't hear him and then dave's happens to be roaming around the uh our quarters and uh let uh lets him in so yeah yeah you know you're not supposed to have pets in here well you know he's a special special case <laughs> he's his therapy cat well i tried having my uh pet parakeet Petey here a couple years ago. You guys mm-hmm. remember that? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he kept swearing at Dave because of all the things you would say about I Dave. I didn't teach him to then do that. See, Dave. I did not teach him that. I did mm-hmm. not. I did. No, oh, there you I go. Mean, he did. And what we used your voice, you know, he's parroting your voice. <sighs> I, I mean, swear to God, man, Dave I didn't, I didn't can, teach him that. can be called bitch face by Bird only so many times before he's he's had enough. <laughs> You know what he did to him. The number though, of right? times was six fifty. By the way, well, he was wondering. tasty. <laughs> he was t- little thin on the meat, but he was tasty. I, I, I admit it. Of course, you know, I, I'll tell you, I didn't know before, but I'm just going to let you know afterwards. I, you know, I did notice the, the <gasps> you lack of bitch. Bird. You ate him. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, not sorry. And what is going on, everybody? We. Are back on break again, actually. Yeah. Uh, we got some time to uh, do another episode because um, Dave is currently at home right now because his shift just ended. So with all of that said, I'm Zach. I'm Zach. I'm Zach. I'm Terry. <laughs> and I'm Naveed. <laughs> and and we're we the are, Lobby Boys. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for yeah, listening in on us once again. We are again. We are back with another installment, and we uh, we got some we got some things planned today. We have some special treats, I believe. We've all got our topics prepared, and we mm-hmm. are ready to jump back into the deep end with some more f- food for thought. There we go. Yeah, yeah food for thought. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got some food for food here. Food, you got food, 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 food. Well, I uh, obviously I'll get to my uh, bigger topic whenever we come back full circle. But uh, I want to keep um, my topics both kind of on the same genre here. Um, I want to talk a little bit about horror today. Um, Ooh, horror. Specifically, horror. Um, the chill horror on the more sub level of of media. I guess I would say, and it was like we're not necessarily 
uh, talking about horror movies. We'll, of course, we might make some references here or there, but um, that's not really what I want to cover per se. Um, I, I want to cover horror as in terms of reading material. And yeah. um, I, I, I was kind of thinking about it the other night because um, I was watching Alien, as you would. Yeah. And I was, I was thinking to myself, hmm. How much more different is the horror of Alien on paper? And um, then I, I started reading some some Alien comics just to kind of you know test this theory out. I was like, what? How do I feel if I'm reading horror and not watching it? Right? Yeah. You know, am I as a as a modern day human conditioned to only be scared on the big screen, or by somebody that comes up behind me and says? Huh? <laughs> them assholes i hate when people do that um i don't even like make a sound i just appear yeah you're very quiet you need to work on that you know toe or toe to heel man toe to heel. need to put a damn bell on you or something no you need a bell no you need a bell no we'll get you need um, a bell. um the <clears throat> crystal me. that works in the kitchen she wants me to wear a bell because apparently i keep sneaking up on her she doesn't like it. Really? You're very noisy when you walk. Apparently not for her. Like I can hear your feet shuffling. Uh, all of a sudden she turns around. There I am. And she screams every time. Yeah. You walk like a Jawa. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Walk, oh, like, oh, I'm, I, I walk around more like a Rancor in a China <laughs> shop. So. Nah, you walk like a Jawa. <laughs> It's not funny when you dig yourself, man. Come on. No, all right. You, I topped it. You so. desert midget. Say, wait, 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 wait. Whoa. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> somebody, somebody did refer to me because of my hair and all that. They did show a picture of uh, Jason Momoa. And then a guy with a rake, no shirt on, long hair and that. Heavy set guy. Not on my, myself. So basically they referred to me as the fat Aquaman. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about all those comparisons um you and Hurley from Lost. Excuse me. No. Oh. <laughs> tell tell your fat friend. Aquaman. Tell your friend he's the fat Aquaman without telling him he's the fat Aquaman. Show a picture. Um so so yeah, that's that's actually what I want to cover on I guess my smaller topic before we get yeah, to the big one. Let's get back into the What topic. was your smaller topic? Horror. Horror. Specifically, um, horror, horror um, shot at by, I guess we can go old sci-fi. And like I, sci-fi. I made the reference of um, Alien. Um, that was just one mm. example I could think of because right. that's what I was experimenting with the other night. Gotcha. And um, I believe I was reading Alien Resistance. It's a good one. And um, so I got into the idea because I was talking about it a little bit before. Um, and I was like, man, like I really wonder how would my reaction to horror be from this specific thing is alien if I'm, if I'm reading it. Right. And, um, I was like, I, yeah, I think this is a pretty cool idea. So I, I turned it into a bit of a night and, um, I, I did like an, like an alien marathon. I did like one through three, one through three, no breaks. Bathrooms don't count. Bathroom breaks don't count. Of course. Mm-hmm. So no breaks. Mm-hmm. And, um, after that, I didn't say anything. Right, I didn't. I didn't change anything different. I just went directly into reading comics, and I found out a lot of interesting things. 
Um, for one, it was a bad idea. <laughs> it was very late at night. Um, I just watched Alien one through one through three, and so just watch the first one. Yeah, yeah, and um, so guys. Um, I don't know if it was because I was tired or I didn't take any food or drink breaks. Um, but these pages were literally moving. <laughs> um, it, it was in demons. It was fascinating. Yeah. I'm, it was a really, really cool experiment that I did. And I honestly really didn't think it was going to work to the effect that it did. Like, um, it seems to happen to you a lot. Shut up. <laughs> I am a man of curiosity. Yeah. I like to explore. Very, I like to explore. Okay, okay. Put that on a shirt. I like to explore. Mm-hmm. There you I go. I like to explore. I like to explore. And Down a shirt set I, I'm really cool. Like as I'm as I'm reading through these pages and I'm going through these panels, I'm seeing the characters, the the dialogue, the text boxes. All of these things are moving, and it, mm-hmm. it felt like I was reading a Harry Potter newspaper almost. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I was still. Even though that was cool and all, I was still sticking to my initial hypothesis and like how different was this horror from watching the movie to reading the comic book. And I actually got to say, I felt a little bit more, I guess you could say, shaken up from the comic. And I was really surprised about that because I don't know, like, you know, like that whole thing about reading when you get integrated into it, you know, you Mm -hmm you you tend to remember something from a book more than a movie because you read it. Yeah. And because I'm reading character character dialogue and and I'm physically looking at these pictures and I can take all the time I want to look at each page, everything really started to burn that image into my mind yeah. and it it was terrifying to me like it really yeah. really was. Um there was one section, I don't remember the exact page, but I literally got goosebumps. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I won't go to bed. <laughs> um, and it also didn't help that it was like really, really late at night. Yeah. And I, I was like already tired. And my backpack was standing up in the corner of my room really, really weird. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, this isn't working. This is bad. This is bad. Just suddenly uh, from the corner of your That's what I was about to bring up next. Um, <laughs> oh, you know. Before you jump into that, I think this is a good time because Alien and then, you know, Predator and that. Naveed, we need to hear, get it recorded, your Predator sound. Give me one second here because I kind of have to prep myself to do this. This is pretty good. I do a good impression too. Uh, have you ever heard Naveed's? Yeah, have of you? course. It's, it's, he, he does it involuntarily. Can you stop chattering your it's teeth great. over there? I'm not chattering. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I was, like, it's great. I was making a cold joke. Uh, El Frio. Uh, right. Let's hear yours. Oh, I'm scared. I got stage fright. Mm, you don't. It's not bad. It's I, I got phlegm in my throat. Good job, Naveed. Yeah, that's good. That, that's a good one. Yeah, I, literally one day I was just messing with him. So like, oh shit, I can do this. And just like went to dad and was like, hey dad, check this out. It was creepy. At first. <laughs> like, at first, I'm like, "You're not my son." <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, uh, but Sorry. I. So 
here's where the synergy happened, Brandon. Mm. Watching these movies, there's there's a lot of hissing and knees, man. Scary, scary, scary stuff from these spooky little xenomorphs. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a part in the the comic book where I I could have sworn I heard hissing behind me, and I'm like, this isn't real. This is a book. This is a book, man. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. And here was the overall, like the home run of the whole thing. When I went to sleep, I lived through the entire comic book, everything that I read, all the dialogue, all of the, the integration, the gore, like it was all there in my dream. Yeah. Um, and I told myself I would never do that again because it was horrifying. <laughs> and so that's why I wanted to kind of bring this cool little experiment and in, in the what I have found to you guys, because I, I wanted to to really know if you've had similar experiences or you've kind of played around with an idea, maybe similar to what I've done before, or just even like, what is your perspective on horror that isn't in a film and you're just reading or, or maybe you know, uh, you go to a haunt, like what, like what's the difference to that than, than on the silver screen? So my thing is that this isn't like something of like, Oh, I'm very impervious to things, but like, I'm not usually scared by something that doesn't have sound to it, which is why if I'm going to look for like some sort of like audio drama, the tour, I will look for sound because, you know, sound is kind of a key thing for me, but I can definitely like read something or uh, you just read, you know, read like a comic or like look at like a piece of some kind. And I'm not going to be scared. I will be unsettled, though. And I think that uh, going back to Alien, uh, you know, the comic Alien Labyrinth. Yeah. With uh, that one guy and like his hellish experience in that hive that was dying. Mm -hmm. So that really has stuck with me. And just like that whole unsettling experience because of like what it was, basically. But I'm not terrified by it. Exactly. The weird thing with me, though, is like I will definitely like read something. I won't be scared in the moment, but I will think about certain things and will be scared about it later. Yeah, that's 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 what gets you. It's yeah. the, it's the thinking about it now and then you think about it more later. And then yeah. you're like, oh, that that is scary. Mm -hmm. Like, um, do you know about the subreddit uh, No Sleep? No, I don't. I'm right. familiar with it. So basically, it's sort of like a creepy pasta sort of. Right, thing. of course. But less like it's the man with the hook, but more of like trying to give like people telling their own accounts, quote unquote, of certain things. I got you. And one of them was this found diary entry of this woman who went on an expedition to some island where everyone had mysteriously disappeared. Tomb Raider. No, it and it's called um The Whistlers. <laughs> Um. And the thing of it all is that like at night they will hear the sound of this creature and it's like millions of them just throughout and they don't know where they are. They don't know what they'll do, but it's just these things just like whistling and howling to each other throughout the night. And they're just constant paranoia as they listen to this. And eventually like they'll start, they start dying off and then she gets to a boat. She turns behind her in her last entry and realizes one, she's going to die. And two, the whistlers were warning about them. They were warning about a much bigger beast, and you have no idea what it looks like. 
what it sounds like or what it is whatsoever. Ah, uh, the classic. We think this is the bad guy, but this is the bad guy. No, it's like it's a thing more of like. I don't know. It's like a strange thing of like the unsettlingness to think that they're making this noise out of warning each other of something like more terrifying. And again, it was this thing that like killed everyone on this island. So. Yeah, that's pretty. And it just that's pretty scary. And it is uh, sort of stuck with me with that idea because that is very, very uh, disorienting for sure. Uh, I mean, disorienting horror is really really cool because it is um, yeah yeah it, it if things are a little off then it makes you know that that uncomfortableness of horror and uh what's well, paul tompkins was talking about uh people doing horror movies scary monster in the I, mirror I, it's like he's like uh, people like to be scared like nobody likes to be scared but they like that uh rush yeah you get from it i think it's more that um but uh you get something that's uh, kind of pulls you in a little bit. Yeah, you know, you you get some movies where it, it'll be like a safe space, and to me that makes really great horror. But if you yeah. go into something like uh like Candyman and yeah. kind of uh like where it the movie itself takes place, it was you know the place on its own kind of scary for some people yeah because like know. uh during the making of that movie i forget what the place was called but caprini like caprini green caprini green but the gangs that they show there are real gangs that mm -hmm. lived in that area mm -hmm. and they actually had to pay them uh for protection during filming they actually found a bullet hole in one of the vans mm -hmm. um after a day of filming yeah. so like that whole thing was intense but yeah it, it just to me, it kind of bleeds <clears throat> over into the movie too. Because, yeah. You know, the location, it, it, it should be um, considered like, well, it's, you know, it's just housing, but it's like, you know, but the people that live here and the yeah. circumstances, you know, is kind of what creates, you know, the horror and, and you add in a supernatural figure and, you know, it's going to, it's going to add a little more to it. Played yeah. very hauntingly by Tony Todd. Yeah. My God, that man is amazing in that movie. Mm -hmm. See, Be my victim. I I really really like that idea of horror. Yeah. Of it's like the the classic. Well, yeah, I mean, not 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 cliche, but like mm -hmm. the classic. You know, yeah. the town and the people tell a story, right? Mm -hmm. You like initially, I guess you could say like it could be an overused idea, but it's like, hey, that that house the at the end of the the woods don't go there it's yeah. haunted right which is basically what salem's lot is yeah yeah and i've i know i like i've talked about this before like outside of the podcast i i don't know if i've talked about it like in an episode but like the whole yeah. idea of like the whole haunted house thing it's very saturated with content like it is and and it's See, that's the thing though. Like that's the sore spot about it. I think it's like, it's not, it's not a bad idea, but a lot of times there's only so much originality you can put into it yeah. before you have to start following that cookie cutter formula. Yeah. Right. And I just, there's not a whole lot of movies that I've seen horror wise that it, it just, it takes place in this town. 
you know, like why, why does it have to be in this individual location where there's this big buildup that like, you know, like the people in this town, they keep to themselves. They're, they're very secretive about what goes on. And then like, you know, like they tell you about this house at the, in the woods and it's like, Ooh, it's scary. We should go there. But like it never really focuses on the town, you know? Yeah. And it's like horror that way is it to me, it, it feels, it feels a little untouched. Yeah. Um, I, maybe it's because some people feel like, like there's really not anything to be made there, but I really think there's a lot of grit and there's a lot of raw potential in something like that. I mean, it, like a town alone can be, can be scary because you know, like you don't know any of these people, you don't know what goes on here. And like you were saying about Candyman, it's like, there's gang violence here. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's, that alone was terrifying to, to even shoot in that location. Yeah. And so just going into like this, this area where you're really not familiar with and you're not going to get any help from anybody because they keep, they keep to themselves and they're so secretive about this town. And, you know, the more you learn about what's really going on here, the scarier it gets. Right. And, you know, up to the point, it's like, oh, 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 no, it was too late. And then the main characters die. But it's, uh, it's, it's unique how much horror there is, but also how much horror you really don't see that much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and I think that's why I really love horror because there is a lot of originality in it. There is a lot of raw potential in what you can do with horror. I mean, it's almost limitless with ideas, but I I still feel like everyone is compelled to still kind of stick to a formula, you know? And I'm not, I'm not saying that sticking to a formula is a bad idea. I mean, there's, there's plenty of modern day horror that has come out that has followed a formula that is amazing. The Conjuring movies, for example, yeah, the, the Conjuring's follow a, honestly a relatively simple formula yeah. as in terms of horror, but it's done really, really well. Yeah. Um, same with Sinister. I, I like Sinister as well. Not a bad movie. Yeah. And um, but when you get that one person that comes along, it's like I'm gonna do something completely different. But I don't want it to be like off the rails insane, right? Yeah. I want it to have this format, and you know, like, like keep it in the box a bit. Yeah. But don't be afraid to keep it ambitious. And keep the ambiguity within the film itself. I think a great film for that. If I don't know if you'll agree with me, but Hereditary was one that I think that, that it was very self-contained. It kept around uh, Tony Collette's character mainly, but also surrounded a few other things. Like already the movie was like a bit unsettling, but then it just continuously gets more and more uncomfortable as you watch it. Yeah. Like yeah. watching that movie, you feel very squirmy. I guess is a way to put it. Like you're just sitting there and you're just sort of moving around just uncomfortably. As you yeah. Move. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, oh man, I, I know it's, it's not, it's not the greatest movie in the world, but, uh, signs by Shyamalan. Everybody yeah. knows signs. Shyamalan? Shyamalan. 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 Avatar last airbender. Shut up. Um, it's, you, you know, <sighs> On paper, it's not it's not fantastic. It's not amazing, you know. It, it but it did bring something to the table, and, and one thing that it did bring was was uncomfortability. I, I would say that 
it they they did very well in some areas where I did feel very uncomfortable. I mean, the whole the whole house scene um, for the guy ends up leaving is like they don't like water apparently, even though that's. <laughs> Mm-hmm. that's the whole thing about the movie in the first place it's like oh water but um you know it rains here <laughs> i know but yeah. it's like i don't know with with him in the kitchen and and knowing that there's an alien on the other side of this door and it's it's not like this thing is like standing still like it's pacing back and forth and you can see its shadow in the room like it yeah. it wants to get out but it doesn't know how to get out and you know, from the whole, you know, slowly pulling out this knife, using it as a reflection to try to see this thing. And then it turns hostile. I mean, it's great buildup. And what I liked the most about Signs was it wasn't your classic cookie cutter alien invasion movie. It It's focused around the single family. Yeah. And all you know is what they know. It's very self-contained yeah. as in terms of this wide scale invasion. And you don't even find out that the world is being invaded until they find it out on the television. And that's what they did really, really well with it Yeah, is that they kept this invasion to such a small scale that that's why the horror in it was like immense. I get like the scariest part of the entire movie was when, uh, uh, what's his name? Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. He he yeah. goes out into that field for the last time and he's like, I wonder if they're out there. And he throws a rock into the cornfield and hears tons of scattering. Like they're all in the fields yeah. waiting. And that part was just like, oh my God, that's mm-hmm. so awful. Because, yeah. because you go out there and you think the same thing as the character is like, is there anybody in this cornfields? Mm-hmm. And then you not you don't find out that there's not just like one prowling around in there. There's tons of them. Yeah, and that's one kind of original horror, like self-contained idea that I really enjoyed. Well, how about the other side of that? How do you mean the other side of it? Well, what about when it's the monsters that are afraid of the humans? Oh, when the humans oh, are the actual monsters. I'm trying to see. That's the, like that's a really really good example. No, no, no. I'd like to bring upon the group here uh, to speak about a little movie called Nightbreed. Oh yeah, Nightbreed. Yeah, Clive, uh, based on the Clive Barker story, uh, Cabal. Cabal. Yeah, mm-hmm. great. Zach, movie. have you ever partaken in uh, Nightbreed? I have partaken in Nightbreed. That's actually a really really good example. I really um, need to read those comics. Have you seen the Cabal cut? I don't. I don't think I've seen the Cabal cut. I haven't either. I know you what? Yeah. Was that the one we watched? Yep. Really? Yep. Huh. Nice. Puts well, a little puts a little more into it. Okay, yeah. Terry. Well, so so what's your what's your whole thing with the the humans being the monsters? Because I, I think it's really, really good stuff. So like mm-hmm. what's your what's your take on it? Well, um well, you can even go into uh like Guillermo de Toro stuff also, where you know it's just because something's different, you know. It just, you know, people were like, oh, well, it must be evil. It must be that. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get that where like in the uh, Nightbreed where, you know, they're just basically want to have their own civilization. And what's funny is that the most horrific anything in the movie, no matter what, you know, happens in the big uh, attack scene towards the end of the movie is uh, David Cronenberg's character in it. Yeah. Decker. You know? Yeah. He's, you know. 
He's the biggest monster in the movie. Has that fucking terrifying mask with the zipper mouth it, it's, and the button oh, eyes. Ew, yeah. Ew, yeah. Ew, gross, it, it, gross. It, it, it's so... It's so creepy without being extra creepy. Yeah, it's you know? it's one of those things where conceptually it's terrifying because they don't really give much context to him. Mm-hmm. But it's clear, one, he knows what he's doing. Two, he has done this a lot. And three, mm-hmm. he is very professional about it. Yeah, uh, yeah that's there's like never the, a good thought. <laughs> no, isn't it? Where he goes into the, uh, that house and he kills that family. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And what's funny is like, you know, like, you know, they don't really show it. You know, you don't see what he does to the little kid or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just left. And to me, that that's that's an effective, uh, an effective way of using horror. Knowing, uh, you know, Clive Barker, it can be anything really mm-hmm. that he does. Well, um, it's like, I haven't terrifyingly read, long list. I haven't read enough of Clive Barker, but all of his stuff is very like, um, he definitely has his own style. He definitely does. You know, like uh, uh, the last thing, and I never finished it, uh, was uh, Cold Heart Canyon. It's a, like a, a ghost story. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That's. If I could describe his style in my own words, it's a very terrifyingly gothic romantic horror. Because um, there's a yeah. sort of love in there. Mm-hmm. and the pain yeah it, it does it does follow that. it does follow a pattern like that yeah bit. yeah uh yeah i wanted to stay mainly with uh uh nightbreed but um uh lord of illusions i really liked it that was a good one mm-hmm. um that it's definitely like it's it's a very underused character by clive barker yeah uh he's been in a couple stories he's used more in uh the hellraiser comics actually Actually, uh, he's, he's not. He's not. Prominent. He's not in it very much. He's. He's. When I, like Clive Barker himself using him, he hasn't used him much. He's been in yeah. a little bit of the comics, but uh, I, I think it's just, um, basically the character of Constantine kind of, I think, took the wind out of his sails. With yeah. Mm-hmm. But, right. Um, but the character is more of like Constantine without the magic. I think it's a little more magic mm. in the in stuff like uh especially in uh uh why am i drawing a blank on it uh the actual book where uh it's a harry demore against uh pinhead um uh, uh the scarlet gospels. scarlet gospels yeah which a lot of people didn't like I haven't read it because I started reading it and I'm like, wow, I forgot Clive Barker has this very specific style. Mm-hmm. We got to hold off on this for a bit. He's very, very like, uh, it's pretty dark at times. It is very, very uh, sexually descriptive. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Right. Yeah. Well, the thing it's funny is because uh, I guarantee it for the longest time, um, you get a lot of, uh, a lot of people probably like, well, this, this is just male rape fantasies. You know, just, just, just demean women and just do this to women. And it's like, ha ha, well, guess what? He's gay. So. He is gay. <laughs> and he, gay man. a lot of this um, is based on his own uh, experiences and too. Um, actually, I found this out uh, with Hellraiser that the look of the Cenobites is actually based on magazines that a friend of his had mm. full of um, body modification, uh, 
like extreme general piercings and stuff like that. And like these magazines were illegal in England. So he would just go over there just to hours and hours, flip through these magazines, mm-hmm. looking at these pictures. And then in combination, add that to one being gay in England in the seventies and eighties being repressed. And, um, two, um, a lot of the shit that he had seen, like you mix that together and you get some real dark shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Oddly enough, he started out um, doing plays and stuff. Yeah. As most of them do. And it's a very, uh, I think that does add <laughs> to things because there's a very theatric um, storytelling mm-hmm. to some of the uh, movies and short stories yeah. that he has written. Well, there's there's a subtle importance to the thespian side of, of horror. Yeah. You know, I, I'd say... You, you could have the best idea in the world, but if it like, you know, like if it, it if it doesn't look good on a stage, right? right? Like it's not like, you know, like you got to sell anything, right? And you got to sell right. horror too. Like just because you show a kick-ass trailer, people are like, oh shit, like this is going to be good. Yeah. And then you go to the theater and you're like, oh, this wasn't scary at all. Yeah. It's, you got to sell it at face value. And I think that's actually one thing that I think um, if done right with the right director or the right writer or artist yeah. or whoever it may be, theater experience in general is a huge advantage. Yeah. I, I mean, just even getting a career started doing plays and then going into horror, you already know kind of how you want to move on a stage right and so you would want to know so you would already know how you want what want your actors and 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 everybody else to kind of interact with the environment yeah and i think that's one thing that's really important in horror is interaction with environment Mm -hmm. um and i'll talk a little bit more about whenever i get to my big topic um but all i'm really trying to say is that there in my opinion at least um i don't know if you guys feel the same but I can instantly feel uh, a disconnect if I don't see interaction with the environment, right? Yeah. Like I, I've seen a lot of horror movies just, you know, kind of go through the motions and it's like, uh, boom, exposition, boom, scary. Oh, mm-hmm. look at that. Hey, yeah. were you scared? Were You were I, supposed to be scared, but uh, I needed more from that, right? Like yeah. it, it's, it just doesn't make any sense that you want to get right into it. You know, like the girl is slowly walking up the stairs and it's creaky and she's hearing noises and she's, she might hear laughing or, or these distant noises. And then she quickly turns to her, like open the fucking door and looks like, what the fuck is this? It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> we're, going so, off, we're going off temple here. You're, <laughs> you're walking up the stairs so carefully, mm-hmm. you know, trying, you're reading your environment. You're obviously in danger. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you get a rush of fucking Kratos <laughs> rage and you're, you're going in ready to fight. It's, I, I don't know about that. I hate uh, some of those scenes where it's like that, where uh, it's very tense. And then like the character will suddenly have the, te- the sudden, Come on and get me, motherfucker! And you know those people always die. But <laughs> it, it just—it's just again, like you want appropriate interaction with an environment. Like I, I think one thing I liked about slasher films was that it felt a little bit more natural. I mean, like 
this is how you're going to react if someone's chasing you with like a knife or a machete. You know, you're going to want to get the hell out of there. And it, or if you're backed into a corner, you're going to have to fight. I mean, yeah, that's it. I mean, you're not going to see anyone, you know, get chased into this cabin and then get backed into the corner. That's like, oh, well, good job. You, <laughs> you, you, you chased me down. You get to kill me now. It's like, no. Like, I mean, sometimes gonna, that happens, but that's just uh, not the best writing. It's it just there has to be, especially with disorienting horror. Yeah. Well, th- that's what's cool about. Like, I don't think, uh, even though he's directed uh, three movies of of his his own work, adaptations of his own work, I don't think that it has happened yet to get a what a Clive Barker story is on screen. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I haven't yeah. wa- I haven't watched <clears throat> Books of Blood yet, um, but um, but no, just. What uh, um, what he does in uh in in Nightbreed, with just the different environments, you know, um, like all the stuff going on with Boone, um, to me that's kind of, I guess you could say it's kind of uh, a bit of an allegory for for like homosexuality. You can use that because, like, he's like realizing who he is. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's not it, it it's not exactly the same, and you know, it it's. I think it's a huge thing in it, um, for somebody to 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 be like, well, this is who I am, and then when you know he finally becomes himself, you know, towards the end. I think you know it, it's a story arc, of course, but um, I think it's it's just freeing for a character, to to do that. I, can imagine for the actor you know you know you're the beginning he's you know I, I i honestly don't like the character at the beginning like after he quote unquote dies yeah mm-hmm. that's when the character becomes interesting yeah. yeah yeah like not that he's bad but it's almost like um i don't know how they shot the movie i don't know if it was like a conflict of uh how uh, craig schaefer was was going with the character, if the character's written that way, if there's still more missing from the movie. Hmm. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's just the, the turn Boone has when he kind of becomes who he is and, and what he is um, makes the character more interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, it could be, you know, the fact that like, you know, not being who you really are isn't interesting. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's like, you know, you don't really care for the character myself. Right. At yeah. The beginning. And then he becomes that, you know, that, that, that character becomes who he really is. Cause yeah. beforehand it's definitely like a character. That's a very, uh, every man, a little bit of an every man, yeah. you know? Um, but I know some people be like, I hate it when you do this in movies or somebody brings up this, you know, it, it's, it's, it's interpretation. It's like we talked in the lost highway episode. Um, you just interpret it. And to me, knowing what I know about Clive Barker, I think that it has a lot to do with it because, um, <laughs> if you kind of think of, uh, in the time that he was making the movie, cause it was, you know, common for, uh, like, well, you, you come out and then you go with, uh, all the flamboyantly dressed or wildly dressed people and you hang yeah. out with them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, even though like, 
uh, you know, I, I, I know many, many people in my life that, that, uh, are gay and none of them are like that. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're all yeah. just like, they're all just like, I'm, li- I'm living yeah. my life and, uh, let's go get pizza. Yeah. You know, yeah. Let's go yeah. hang out here. You know, it's like, you know, you know, they're just like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, and it's a really good movie. Um, and I'm just glad that you were, you brought up horror. So, yeah. you know, I could kind of chit chat about a little horror. Um, especially for a movie that, um, I think that, uh, it's been kicked around a bit too much. Uh, but you know, it, it has a hardcore fan base. It mm-hmm. does. It's yeah. a hardcore fan base so much that they put out a, a, a director's cut. Yeah, and absolutely. A comic series that I think is ongoing or was ongoing for a while. Uh, yeah, they've had comics. There's been comics at just about every, anything that has been a Clyde Barker movie. Yeah. Right. Right. And I mean, I know we can, we can go on ages with, with horror and we absolutely <laughs> will God. once, uh, hollow squeen rolls around. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, uh, obviously we'll, we'll touch back on it a little bit more once we get to the bigger I mean, topic, but well, whoa. I mean, my topic, you know, sort of does actually play into horror more. Oh, is it politics? No. <laughs> that is scary. Um, <laughs> that is no, pretty scary. But I would like to take us back to the uh, format of uh, horror on paper and would like to talk about uh, one of my favorite horror uh, comic creators or, and artists, uh, Junji Ito, oh. who is a Japanese uh, manga, uh, com, uh, manga artist and writer who was... Um, Influenced by a good few others, um, one of the big ones wrote uh, something called Drifting Classroom, which uh, is a big horror comic in <laughs> Japan. But I think Junji Ito definitely plays into like that unsettling horror aspect. My favorite story from his um, is a very unsettling comic. And it's actually uh, one of the comics that does make me feel a bit heightened at night, uh, Zach. And I think I forget what it was called. I think it's called The Window. <laughs> Uh, that sounds familiar. Hold on, let me see if I can find it. That does sound familiar. But basically what it is, is this, uh, this teenager moves into a new house with his family right next door is a different house. And there's only one window and the window is right across from his own. In the middle of the night, he hears this voice going, young boy, young boy, please open your window. And like, he uh, does open his window one night after hearing it. And he sees like this grotesque looking woman with these, ve- this very crocodile like skin. that's all bumpy and gross looking. She's looks extremely inhuman. And as the nights go on, the window is actually like coming closer to his room to where one night he uh, actually hears like, scratching at the window she's like one more night and i'll be able to come and meet you and like finally his parent he convinces his parents like leave and the final shot of the of the manga is this grotesque uh growth that uh ends at the window coming from the house and ending right like in front of his window and they're like moving out that day yeah and um that one is pretty scary. It is. I um that's not 
one like I'm like majorly familiar with. That's that's more like it's a very sort of it, it's it's more of a subtle, I guess, yeah. entry, I would say. It, it's something that like, you know, that you'd come across. But it isn't like a uh, Gyo or Uzumaki. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you were actually telling me that you were going to be doing um, Ido, I actually the first thing I actually went to was his interpretation of Frankenstein. Yes. And, um, and Terry, you can thank me right now for not saying reimagining. Um, <laughs> no, I said it. <laughs> oh, damn it. Oh, oh, you no. got it up. You no, bastard. it's all right. No, it's one I need to read though. But, um, one of the greatest things that I have seen, um, from his version of Frankenstein, it obviously, it most fits the same story, but yeah. It's the artwork. Yes. There is a ton of dark shading and Mm -hmm. it's, it really pulls you into what Frankenstein is all about. Right. And one thing that I probably liked the most about the manga itself was, um, when obviously Frankenstein's monster is first created, um, the monster is drawn with a lot of dark, bold, detailed shading. Yeah. But towards the end of the novel, the, um, or the novel, I guess the manga. (laughs) It it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter though. (laughs) We know what you mean. But uh, towards the end of it, Frankenstein's monster has very thin, less kind of less, well, still detailed, but less bold lines. And it's more fitting in with his usual style of people that look fairly realistic in a, differentiate from the usual anime style with very thinly drawn lines and very basic looks. Well, that, and I I also think from my perspective is we obviously know uh, the story of Frankenstein and that Frankenstein's monster isn't the real monster. It's Frankenstein. And you mean the monster's not the monster, the human's the monster? The monster's not the monster, the human's the monster. Oh, Oh, yeah. Where did this come from? (laughs) (laughs) But, um... So, but throughout the entire novel, Frankenstein is drawn and doesn't really change with these dark, bold lines that is supposed to encapture evil, yeah, evil and malice and and, and greed and, and just all of those bad negative things you don't want to see in a person. <laughs> it's the energy that's but not it's a negative. But on top you have of a black aura, yeah, you have a very dark aura. <laughs> but on on top of uh, Frankenstein's monster obviously not being the bad guy of this. Um, he, on top of his character progression, his art style changes as well too. Yeah. And I don't really see that a lot. Um, especially in comic books. Like I've seen characters drawn differently. Um, if it's a very specific thing that they evolve or, or change into. Um, but as in terms of like just the whole process of being created, I haven't seen too much of a character being redrawn from that standpoint. And I, I don't know if Frankenstein is probably my favorite from, from Junji Ito. It's definitely up there it is definitely uh, one in, of in my, in my top five. Um, we'd have to probably do like a separate episode just on <laughs> Ito for me to actually yeah, like get into the detail so of like what stuff. would probably my favorite be. Cause I'd have to go through my collection actually yeah. see, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a good, uh, it's a very good problem to have. Yeah. 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 I like, I, 
I, I think it's a good thing that I can't just say what my favorite is right off the bat. Like I'd have to go back and probably read through the entire, <laughs> my top five list. I, I would probably say, um, and be like, yeah, this, this is probably what I would like the most, but even still, I don't know. But, um, that's what I, I really like, um, about him specifically yeah. is that there's this common theme of not only seeing physical character progression yeah. and just the the overall impactful creativity that he has and to the horror genre, but the entire way that his characters are drawn whenever that progression kicks in. Yeah. And that, that is one of the most fascinating things that I love in his work. Cause definitely, um, uh, something in one of his works, um, and this is a character that is reoccurring and is sort of like his uh, slasher character. Um, that character is Tomie, which is this seemingly immortal being who seduces men and tricks them into killing her and other men. And there's a lot of moments in those stories where like near the end where the male character who usually is like very fine looking in the beginning he has those harsher lines and looks very frazzled and frantic looking and just very different. And mm. actually another story that I remember that another one that I love from him is um, the mystery of the Amigara fault. Oh, which yeah, yeah. is a very interesting story. Basically what happens in this one is there's an earthquake in Japan and a mountain splits in two. And in that mountain, they find these person shaped holes and a few people will go there because they feel this attraction they'll go in and be like wow i fit in this hole perfectly and there's this moment where a man is losing his shit and he's like i must go in my hole and like starts like goes in and gets stuck and like just starts to slowly move into the hole and just is gone and then the main character eventually gets to that point and then it's it shows a thing of like months later and they find the other side and see these weird misshapen, thin, different looking holes. And they look in and what's there, but this terrifying creature that's slowly shuffling out of this hole that's shaped them. Yeah. And actually it's funny that you mentioned that because I, that's actually the first thing I went to yeah. whenever Darkwood came out. Yes. Um, I I don't know if you've played through Darkwood or like you've seen playthroughs of it. I have um, to both. And spoilers ahead to anybody that doesn't know the story about Darkwood. Yeah. Um, but towards the end of the game, it's pretty much the end of the game. Yeah. Um obviously it was all a dream. Kind of was. Yeah. It's the ending is still open to interpretation where it looks like it was all a dream, but it still looks like you're in reality. Yeah. But anyway, you, the main character actually noticed that everybody that you have met is asleep in within this tree. And these are pretty much where the source of the roots are coming from and, and why this forest is so massive is these people are sleeping in these roots are kind of extracting the life essence from these people. Yeah. And um, there's like a, this person that you'll see, but like, like don't burn the tree, don't burn the tree or things like that. It's like, we like it here. We enjoy it. Like we, we embrace it. And that to me was the scariest part. Yeah. Like, oh my God. These people are not only 
literally having their their life drained from them, but they're under this spell so badly that they feel as if that they enjoy this. And yeah. it's just, oh, it's so weird. It's such a and the game in general is another example of horror that's very unsettling, very strange. Like I remember there's this one moment um in the game where like you meet this person who's like slamming their head on a table. So it's just like you come in, just like in rhythm with the music, just slamming yeah. their face in. And then later on, that person comes back and they're like slamming against the door, like trying to get to you and you're trapped in this room. So it's just this very violent. Yeah. Yeah. And as they try to get in. It's and um, I don't want I don't want to talk about Darkwood for too much longer, but it's just um, it is probably the best horror game that I've ever played without jump scares. It is very good at atmospheric horror. <laughs> it's, it's extremely good with that. It, it actually might be up there with like my top 10 favorite horror games I've played. Yeah. And I, you know what? I wouldn't even really classify it as horror. I have always, even since release, have put Darkwood in its own tier of originality. It's just yeah. it's so different from your traditional horror. Like it doesn't follow any of the guidelines that we would perceive as horror. Like, yeah, the game's scary and it has, you know, it has all of your, you know, your classic, uh, you know, body, body horror and, and, and just horror horror, but it's, it's different. It's weird. And it puts you in this environment. You have no idea what's going on. You don't know what you're doing. And yes, you kind of have an end goal, but by the end of the game, it didn't really even seem like anything mattered. Yeah. And uh, that's what I really liked about it is that, uh, and on top of the game having of like a million endings, I think it was, I think, I think it was Darkwood that has like a million endings to it. Um, it's just, I'm pretty sure. Cause you can get an ending in the game for not even doing anything. Yeah. I think if you just like, don't do anything for like seven days, you get like this ending, but it, it's, it's just really, as Terry would say, kooky. It's some kooky stuff. <laughs> um, and then rolling into Terry, what do you see you scheming over there? I'm just skimming around. You're just skimming so around. So you're skimming Enjoying around. the conversation. I know that uh, mm-hmm. you have yet to present your small topic. I did. He did. Nightbreed. No. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. All right. So <laughs> uh, You constantly forget that he has introduced this small topic. I... I sorry guys, I like talking. He I, likes talking. I forget things sometimes. That's why he's the main voice here generally. <laughs> so what do you, we can't get shut up? What do you have for us? What is today's topic? So what will you boom us with? I Was think lovely, lovely screaming voice. <laughs> <laughs> wow <Well>, guys. <laughs> well guys, I have this for you today. That's called splurge. <laughs> that was not a bad stitch impression. Um, so I, I think it's actually pretty awesome uh, because everything that we all talked about, it ties directly into my big topic. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just slightly adapted to what we've already been explaining. But the, I guess, main conversation, the main event that I want to talk about is horror that we initially have had ideas for or horror that we would like to see presented more 
whether it's on the screen in in novelization form. And I think uh, my reasoning behind that is probably the main source of why horror just continues to get more and more creative is because there is a huge community for it. Mm-hmm. And everyone, lovely community every, too. everyone 24, seven, 365 is always giving ideas, yeah. always adapting ideas, changing things, reimagining things, re- 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 <laughs> reimagining things <laughs> that stare from Terry. And it's the just stare. I like, I, I, I can't honestly think of another genre of of media that probably collectively I I would generally say that most people like horror. Horror is to, to some extent. I mean, unless you're well, not a human being pretending <laughs> um, to be one. I think uh, taking comedy and drama out of the picture. Because they're genres, but just mm-hmm. like, you know, what we would call genre pictures or genre comics or whatever, uh, be it horror, sci-fi, um, who knows what, art house. Uh, there's definitely, definitely they have their audience mm-hmm. and they definitely um, uh You can always mix them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I, I would like a, a really, be really interesting for a, a psychological horror comedy. <laughs> that was a very interesting idea. So Star Wars. <laughs> no. My love life. No, I think it would you get the right the right people behind the camera on it and I think that they would really put together something something interesting Sean Connery <laughs> there's get um, him out of retirement or out of death there is definitely whichever one comes first something that I've noticed with um, horror and that's generally that uh, a lot of the circles for it are very close knit Mm-hmm. And just feels very familial. Mm. Like a lot of uh, the behind the scenes stuff, like recently. Um, so first I listened to this uh, other podcast on uh, YouTube channel called Dead Meat, where they just are that very warm, welcoming horror community. But they recently had this episode on Dawn of the Dead. And they were just talking about that experience. And a lot of it was something where people would just go on and just have a very good time filming that movie. And they would just like sometimes come up with ideas, just be like, like, uh, you know, that scene where the biker gang is just like dicking around in the mall. Yeah. They shot that. Like they were like, you know what? We have this stuff. Why not? We just fuck around with it. We might put it in the movie. We might not. Um, and they just had fun. Um, it, kind of for a little bit becomes a comedy it does <laughs> and it's a very jarring scene for sure and then that's probably why i like dead rising um, so much that makes sense but um <laughs> tom savini uh has talked about being uh on that set and he said that it was one of his favorite sets to work on and that uh he enjoyed very much just the uh working with george a romero and all that mm, and it yeah you know it's it yeah 
it's a it was an independent movie yeah that uh like they're just in the wild west yeah you know it's of course you're gonna have stuff like that yeah um that's the the thing that i I think always sucks the life out of like big budget stuff yeah um it doesn't feel so close-knit well there's that and like you can tell that like you know when when people work on something that's low budget they're you know everybody's under pressure to because they only have so much so they do have those things where they you know they have to decompress yeah you know, they had that moment to decompress. Yeah. I think, and, you know, we put it in the movie. Yeah. You know, um, I think a great example of that probably is Evil Dead, you know, because mm-hmm. that's like something that was just a bunch of friends deciding to just make something. Like at the end of it, it was uh, eventually just Ted Raimi, Bruce Campbell, and Sam Raimi mm-hmm. uh, basically just finishing that movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the crew in that movie just slowly whittled down. They slowly whittled down to just them. And that's uh, one of the uh, funnier things to me. Yeah. Uh, just like when I was a kid and every time, like I lived in this one place and when uh like we had the the basement in in, in here uh it, it it was almost finished and well it was a finished basement yeah so we had like a couch down there and stuff and then had this like one little room off to the side and then it had this this outer room and then uh when the house had a coal furnace in it, it had a coal room which is this big empty room if i had this house now oh my god the shit we could make there like like i i have like so many ideas of what i could film in there and it was just this this room like 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 there was no electricity in it it was just this concrete room with a lead not a lead um a steel steel door on the top lead door a steel door on the top yeah like like a hatch like you, you could like film something in this and pretend that you put somebody in a hole you know, and it had this big iron door because, you know, you're putting coal in there. You need something that's going to withstand it. But uh, like I, we had like a little TV down there. And I remember we watched uh, one of the Friday the 13th movies. I, I don't remember which one it was. It was on like a free HBO weekend or something like that. And I just remember noticing how dark it was outside outside the windows yeah how dark it was now where i lived there was barely any light there was just like a light on a pole uh there was a neighbor it was just you know it was just a driveway that separated where we lived from where they lived yeah and behind it was this uh kind of a barn and like a lot of the inside of it was dilapidated so of course as kids you know we'd climb around in there all the time um but you couldn't see anything out there (laughs) And there was like a little bit of moonlight and like when you put your face up against the window, like you kind of make out the tree in the back, the like rickety tree, like horror movie tree. And the fucking tree in Poltergeist. Almost like that. But um, (laughs) I don't know why they cut that tree. I just remember like because of the movie, my imagination started to go fucking insane. Yeah. It's going all over the place. So it, it it's like I ended up in this in, in this environment that was almost like the movie, even though it's like I know, 
All I do is go upstairs and say to my mom and dad, I'm really terrified. And they'll be, go to bed. <laughs> Great. Um, Everything's back to normal. Let's go, guys. You know? I, uh, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it goes back to like the kind of thing that like, yeah, people do like to have that primal scare. You know, they, yeah. you know, they don't want people jumping around the corner every five seconds after them, but they like to have that moment when they watch something, read something. Um, how even like, you know, listen to some kind of uh, radio drama or something and just take them to a place. And yeah. because what I think it does is it's a decompression. Yeah. Because you live in that world for a little bit and right. you get out of it and you just kind of, yeah. it kind of helps you kind of appreciate what you have. You know, if you're, if you're doing it right in life, you know, you watch something, uh, it kind of makes you, you know, think about your life a little bit and then, you know, just, just give it a good, good, uh, good looking over. Yeah. You know, just, I, yes, I actually, you, you've been trying to interrupt me for a while, but go on. <laughs> I actually have, um, a sort of, I actually, um, have had a, lived in a house and, where I have, I, um, had a scary basement in something. the bottom. Let me ask you something. <laughs> Let me ask you something. I want to ask you something. Can I ask you something? Oh, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> um, but I've had like that scary basement actually because um, I think it was uh, first house me and mom lived in after the apartment. And it was like a hundred years old and had this really this basement that looked like it was like falling apart a bit it had like this one off room which was the laundry room but there was like no light down there usually and barely anything got in during the day so i was terrified to go down there and guess what that was the only place where the bathroom fucking was so i would have to try and so what i would do was i would run down there get into the bathroom lock the door then run back up afterwards. And eventually they're like, maybe you guys stop blocking the door. What if something happens? And I'm just like, I don't give a shit. I'm not getting eaten alive. Cause one day I swear um, to I lock God. the door so nothing can get in. <laughs> <laughs> um, like one day I swear to God, I'm down there and I looked to my, uh, my right. Cause there was like this one place where um, I stepped out with like, uh, keep all his like CDs and like all his shit. I look over there. I swear to God, I saw fucking two glowing eyes and scared the absolute piss out of me. Hmm. Zach, do you have a place that was sort of like that for you? I, I was terrorized by a raccoon when I was a little kid because uh, uh, <laughs> a lot of places I've lived has been in the woods, unfortunately. And I look I look over and underneath this, this bush, I see this like glowing eyes. Like these. I'm just like, what is that? Like all you see are these eyes. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's a bush there. Yeah. And then you think to yourself, you think to yourself, it's impossible for anything to be under there. <laughs> Nothing can be under there. The bush is there. It's too, you keep staring at it. Keep staring at it. And then the eyes keep kind of like moving oh. left and right. And you're like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and you're looking at it. You're looking at it. And then, you know, you, you look away and you say something to somebody. And you're like, where? You keep pointing at it pointing at it they don't see it and then they look away and all of a sudden 
Yeah, it's only motherfucker. <laughs> it's like there's definitely something out there. What the and fuck then you is see this, this like man? this like chunky thing that come waddling, out. <laughs> and you're like, God damn it! Oh, it's the coon it's squad, man. It's the <laughs> coon <laughs> squad. Um, yes, a, you do. I did. Oh, my dude. last house. I did. Uh. Um, so. Trying to remember this story. So um my parent I believe my parents were were out um because and, and my siblings were asleep. And this was like really, really early in the morning, like 1 32 o'clock. And I heard what I thought was just the TV. So I I didn't think anything of it because, you know, normally whenever your home and you know, like you got school the next day and you just think to yourself like, Oh, mom and dad are just watching TV late at night. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, like even sometimes you'll, you'll imagine the TV being on, even though it won't be. Yeah. I, I, I cause I, I've done that like a ton of times too. And I've scared myself just <laughs> from doing that. Um, but the TV was in fact not on. Um, and as I started to kind of, you know, like settle down for sleep and I finally, you know, had that cloud of sleepiness over me and I, like, I start drifting off. I start hearing the stairs creak. Oh, then I was thinking to myself, well, maybe mom and dad are home now and they're coming upstairs, but it would be like one creak and then like another creak a couple minutes later. And I'm like, what? So I get up as silently as I can. Yeah. And I like just open my door and the creaking of the stairs like slightly sped up a bit. <sighs> and then it got to the point when I, I heard full on footsteps going up the stairs and it stopped like, what I would probably think, like if I was counting the stairs in my head, yeah. like one, two, it would have been like halfway at the stair mark. I I always, I always keep my, my bats like in my room, like on display. So I like, yeah. I, I grabbed the bat and I was just holding it there. And like, I had like a million thoughts running through my head. Like, what if this is like a home intruder? Like this is just like, I'm the only one away. And like, I, I just remember just clenching this bat so hard. And like, I had like all of this adrenaline pumping through my chest and like, I'm like wide awake at this point and like super, super wired. And then I was like, well, like what if it's like a ghost or something like that? Or like, mm -hmm. like I don't know. Yeah, it's going to go right through it. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this is going to be useless. And then you thought to yourself, if, 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 if I can't touch it, then it can't touch me. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and then I opened the door more and I just, for some reason, just yelled, go away. <laughs> but like in the most scared go voice, away. just go away. Uh, now, go away. Here's, here's the fucky part. The question oh, mark. Here's the fucky part. Uh, when I yelled, go away. I heard, oh, fuck. and then that was it. 
like whatever whatever it was ran back down the stairs. Oh, and then and then then <laughs> I then I got pissed. And then this is where I had that that horror movie Kratos rage, and I got pissed. <laughs> and then I got pissed for some reason, and then I like opened my door up, and then like I turned my head over the stair, and like I was like, obviously there was nothing there. Yeah, and I was like, oh, right. oh God. God, boy, ain't going to take it from you. Yeah, you better <laughs> fucking run. Oh, yeah. You almost got it was kind of fucking fucked up, man. You almost got fucked up, man. I could have killed you. I could have fucked you up, dude. The voice just starts cracking. Starts cracking immensely. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, like I'm like I'm not making this up. Like yeah. I like I don't again. Like it, it's one of those it's one of those things. That, like I didn't know if I was imagining it because like I was just so tired. But it it felt so real, and you know, regardless, like if I was just imagining it or not, like I heard footsteps, and I think I believe I took the right steps. I had a bat in hand, and if it was a home intruder. He was going to get a face full of aluminum. But turns out it was actually Captain Blake from the fog and he was going to cut you in half. Well, no, that's not fair because <laughs> I have a bat and he can cut me in half. You got to you got to keep the plane. He's an angry leper ghost, Zach. What do you want him to right, do? You got to keep the playing ground like, you know, leveled. So give me <laughs> give me give me more of a, uh, a chainsaw. No. Now give me more of like a five, like a five eight Jason. I, I think I could probably, five, eight, I could Jason. probably take on a five eight Jason. Five, eight, Jason. Like if if I can, <laughs> that's the. <laughs> that's five, eight, what are you making fun of me for, man? I I, I was slightly smaller back then. Like beware the horror of the five foot eight Jason. All right, well, if, <laughs> if it well if it makes five you foot feel, eight Jason ain't taking no crap from you. <laughs> If it makes you feel He's better. He's got that short man anger. If it makes you feel any better, that that's like the max that I would have gone. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to <laughs> give myself an advantage here. Like I'm, I still want a bit of a challenge. Like five eight Jason, five you know eight he Jason. he. And then I was like, then I'd be able to reach him, right? And then a couple, a couple, a couple I'll get you. <laughs> five you five foot eight. I'll, get, I'll get you, you fucking manlet. <laughs> Finally, the 13th only rolls around once every couple months, boy. You think I'm going to take this shot? No, but... uh Come at some short if, motherfucker. I'm telling you, like, if if, if he was 5'8", it would have been fair. If he was 5'8", I definitely got this. I would have clocked his shit. 5'9", I'd step... 5'9", listen, 5'7", I would be a bit more cautious. 5'8", that's a sweet spot. If he, if he was 5'7", then I'm being cruel. <laughs> if he was, if he was five eight, it, it's it's like that's where it's at. It's fair. If, now, if he's five nine, I hesitate. Five eight is so. Take a step back. This may be a problem. I'm gonna be like, hold on. I gotta go get a bigger bat. Give me a minute. Five eight is so specific. I'm gonna get a stool, and then you're done. This is like a thing where like you took the fucking calculations in mind. You're like, okay, what what height is regular, Jason? Hey, right. fuck you, man. Six eight. All right, fuck you, man. I thought about this maybe. a million. I thought about maybe this a million times, dude. You actually thought, I thought this about over. this a million you times. I thought about this way that, more than you, I ever think about that exact you night. Sat in your room and thought, "What was the height I could take on Jason that, Dorsey on that exact on that exact night at the height that I was at." <laughs> 
A 5'8 Jason would have been a fair fight. Any taller, it would have been unfair. And any smaller, it wouldn't have been fair. You know what I'm saying? Like 5'8 is a so prime you, fighting size for a slasher. So that night, you're just, you're, just, this, so this, you're laying I in your can, bed. I can, I can, I can 5'8 is a prime fighting. It, it's a prime height for a slasher, man. Like that's. What? You're looking to fight Freddy then outside of the dream. I don't want to fight that burned little motherfucker. <laughs> He's he's got he's got he's got a claw too. Now here, Jason Jason might have a sharp weapon, right? But here's the thing, right? I've seen The Walking Dead. You've seen how, like in movies, Jason will pick up sleeping bags and fucking beat trees with the people still in them, right? Okay, hold, hold on, wait, wait, wait. He's coming up the stairs, right? Right. There, so in my last house, you imagine this, right? So okay. my room. So imagine like the stairs, you go up the stairs, then you right. make a left. Okay. There's like four, there's like four more stairs. And then I have the first room on the left. Okay. So <clears throat> he would still have to come up the other half of the stairs and turn the corner. Okay. I'm at the top of the steps. He's five, eight, perfect head hitting size that right on, the, right on the noggin. He's done, man. Now, if he was taller, <laughs> J- Jason, uh, Zach's sitting in his room. He's like, <laughs> He's got the fucking the, cork those creeks, board. Those creeks? Okay. This sounds like... That sounds like someone that's 5'8". That, <laughs> that sounds like a 5'8 robber got, right there. He's, he's he's got, got he, doesn't the have good, he doesn't have good walking speed <coughs> because, you know, he's he's not all there. So I think I can take him. I'm going to use the number seven Louisville smart. Oh no my God. I'm using... No. I'm using the Ken Griffey Jr. aluminum <laughs> bat. It's got a little load in it. You get a, get a little spin. I even corked it for extra lightness. I even corked it for extra lightness. But, but wait on But wait a, hold on a second now. He, it took a couple minutes for him to go up that second <laughs> stair. So we could be dealing with a, with like a, like a, a, a one, two Jason here. <laughs> he, he, he may have an untied shoe. This could be my his advantage. Shoes untied. His shoes untied. I mean, he, you know, his mother wasn't there his whole life. You know, he died when he was young, so he might not know the proper way to tie his shoe. So this might be this might be my big break because if I run, maybe that's what Jason is. He never runs because he keeps tripping on his shoelaces. So maybe I'm going to have to use this to my advantage. He doesn't but know when I get in the right position. I'm taking this five foot eight motherfucker. Dad, dad but dad, what if he's wearing loafers? He has no he's idea. He's more terrifying than loafers than anything. He has no idea about the two eight seven inch Easter Bunny knot that that was that was perfected after his time. Man. Yes. Oh my god, you broke Naveen, man. <laughs> he's actually, he's actually, he's actually broken. Oh you know what? I think this is a. I think we're gonna got on a high here. Uh, okay, I am. <laughs> gonna let David. Okay, he's purple. <laughs> oh my god! Why right, are uh, you purple, dude? I, I'm Terry. Uh, and and you are I'm David. Okay, and, and, and you are sir. I'm Zach. Okay, thank you for for listening to our cackling. Uh, this has been Lobby Boys, and we will speak with you soon. Hope thank you, you folks. Take, take care now. 